Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with... Wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. The Dave Damashek Football Program. Available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. What's going down? I hope all's well wherever you are. Welcome to the Dave Damashek Football Program. Available as always on iTunes and at nfl.com. Slash Shek. Wow. A particularly enthusiastic rendition by the fans cheering from goodness knows where. Welcome to the show. Of course, uh, this is episode number two of the week. Apologies up front. The first episode of the week had weird tinny sound on it. I am aware of it. Black Tie Behind the Glass is aware of it. We were trying out a new studio in which we can also supply you with video because hearing our voices is only half the fun. Imagine being able to watch us do it. Boy, it's makes the mind real, you know, and the heart sore, the possibility of that. But as we work those kinks out, so the sound wasn't so great. Now we're back in Studio 66. We're going to make our weekly picks, the Red Challenge flag segment, Elliot Harrison going up against Around the Leagues, Mark Sessler coming up in just a minute here. Also, though, want to make you aware that we're oh, we're going to do a little Dead or Alive, a playoff edition. We're going to evaluate, as these last couple weeks, uh, just before they kick off here, whose playoff chances are still dead or alive. We'll get to that. Also... I must self-promote and say this, the shame slash Sheck report week 15 is available at NFL.com slash Sheck. And uh, I've heard from, it's it's already being called by my mother the best episode of the year. So, I mean, if that doesn't sell you on it, I don't know what. Um, so give that a look. We, we get into, you know whose name comes up? Tony Romo's. 
and uh, so does Eli Manning's and uh, so on and so forth. So give that a look. And also make sure you go to Stitcher.com and nominate the Dave Damashek football program for best, what is it, best sports cast black tie? You know, black tie, you've become a parody of yourself now. You literally are eating your lunch while we're doing this. I mean, all the jokes about how you don't care and you're on Facebook and you use it as your lunch hour and you're actually doing that right now. Man's got to do what a man's got to do. No, but that's not a, something a man has to do is eat while he's th- while he's theoretically producing the program. I'm, I'm doing what I need to be doing. You're doing a good job of, you know, getting those programming notes out of there. That's all you care about is if I promote. All about the programming notes. Remember, hashtag DDFP if you want to chime into the show. Oh, yeah. the, on the back end of this, to make up for my eating, I'm going to read some tweets, you know. A lot oh, of, a lot we're going to do tweets. some tweets today? A lot of good tweets coming in, so I'm going to read some of the, mo- oh, good. the best ones. So, I love that. That's why I always, like Hashtag DDFP. Quick shout-out, though. Quick shout-out at the top. You mentioned Stitcher Awards. That's coming up for all, not just this podcast, but all the NFL's podcasts. Quick yeah, but we're not, we're not counting. I was going to give the shout-out. Don't you step on my toes like you're right, a greater right, gentleman ahead. than I am. Go Please, ahead, sir. Jack. I was going to say congratulations to Mark Sessler and his heroic colleagues. The Around the League podcast has been named by iTunes one of the best in all the land. In this, their inaugural go-round. What, what's it been around? Five, six months now? Yeah, I think since we essentially divorced, is that the right word, from the, the Sheck mothership? I don't, I, don't know why you would, I don't know why you would say divorce, is as though there not- was acrimony in, in going down. I'd prefer to think of it. I remember when you spread your wings and flew off, I compared you to the Ropers, you know, leaving Three's Company. That was like that, and then today you referred to it as the Jeffersons, which is, in fact, more apt because the Jeffersons succeeded on its own, whereas the Ropers sadly spiraled down quickly. That's fair. I just find it odd that I've not been on this show Mm -hmm. since the so-called amicable split. That's listen. Is that just coincidence? I don't tough, know. tough. Uh, you know, I think uh, I think a guy named Black Tie once said, "A man's got to do what a man's got to do." You know, tough decisions had to be made. Uh, Hanzus, Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal, your colleagues, have all joined us here in Studio Sixty Six on the program. <laughs> so read into that what you will. All right, fellas, let's get into it here, and uh, yeah, we'll get to the tweets. We'll get to the game picks for a huge Week Sixteen for some of these teams. Oh, also, let's say hello to uh, to our old pal there, seated directly across from me here, back after what had to be about as tough a loss as a Romopologist could possibly have suffered. It's Elliot Harrison. Don't shake your head. God. That wasn't I, a bad I, I, loss? I can't, I can't even get, come on the show without Romo being mentioned. It's like, well, how would I? How could you expect me not to? You think Elvis Presley ever walked in a room and people didn't bring up blue suede shoes? This is your thing, man. Yes. Well, I might as well address it because, yeah, my you gosh. Yeah, well. Okay. Here's the deal. Tony Romo had a bad game. Yes. He, he had a bad game. We agree. But once again, once again, nationwide analysts get it wrong. Again, they don't even know why he played bad. They don't even know why he. They look at the interceptions. He actually missed Des Bryant earlier in the game when he had him, and that's really where he screwed up. I mean, yeah, the interception that he threw that was a great play by Sam Shields. Most quarterbacks get sacked on that play anyway. Cole Beasley admitted his fault on the second interception. I don't know why the Cowboys wide receiver coach never gets any grief. It's because, this is a good point you're about to make. I like this point you're because about to make. I can't think of another team. I've been watching football religiously since the mid-80s. I can't think of another team I've ever seen that had this many miscommunications between wide receiver and quarterback with one guy turning in and the you know the pass going out. And frankly, I 
And I think most people that really know Dallas Cowboys football trust Romo that he knows where that ball is supposed to go and not the Kevin Ogletrees and Cole Beasley's and name your spare Cowboys receiver of the last several years. The other thing, and Mark, I'd love your opinion on this. Why not my opinion on this? Well, I'll ask you too. What do you consider a lot of points in an NFL game? Like for an offense to score or a well, team to score? Well, let's put it this way. If you're the Cowboys and you're mm-hmm. sitting up 26-3, to mm-hmm. you should win that game. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm just saying, like, give me a not, just give me a figure. Like, what do you think? What would you say? That's a lot of points. Is 40. it 40. 40. 40. That's okay. true. Okay. The two games that Romo has been absolutely roasted for were the Broncos game where he threw the interception to Danny Trevathan. They lost 51-48. to Okay. They lost this game, what was it, 38-36. So you add those two up, you get 84 points. That's 42 points per game. I think that's enough to win in the NFL. All right, it's you? situational football, though. He should have been aware. and I mean, the world was aware in that case. It's indefensible to throw the ball in that spot. Everybody in the world knows that. The mm-hmm. idea that they needed to score more points in order to – listen, if it's Aaron Rodgers, yeah, you need more points. You have to gamble and say – if we can pin them deep inside the 20, Matt Flynn is not going to lead them down the field here. I mean, that's just the, the, the way you have to play it. In two minutes, you have to spin the clock down, make them burn their time out. I agree. That's just, that's just the bottom line. I, when I, you say, though, on that team, the list of ills starts and ends with that defense. What a ni- I mean, it's no, a nightmare. Here's the thing. Here's the, here's the conversation. No? Here's the argument that I think that begins and ends. No, I think it's a major, major problem with them. But I also think that the the... the thing that people have thrown out is, hey, it's not Tony Romo's fault. It's that terrible defense's fault. Well, how about this? The defense is abysmal, and Tony Romo doesn't come through in the clutch. Both of those things can exist simultaneously, and that's the that's the fact. And it's it's not can, either or. It's answer C, both of the above. Well, And they are, I will say this, they seem disorganized on both sides of the ball because you establish yeah. a running game, and that's how they could have won that football game. And then they just go away from it. They've done that four or five times this it's season. It's weird. Yeah. Well, let me let me. And Garrett does have to get in Romo's ear and say, "Under no uh, under no yeah. circumstance are you to throw the ball here." But it's also a liability when he is. It's not like he's the the so called game manager. He's held to a higher standard than say Alex Smith is because he has to carry a greater load. He's also paid a lot more than Alex Smith is for whatever that's worth. And so it's a liability for a quarterback who is carrying his team, which mm-hmm. in fact Romo is. Romo is, you know, I, I mean, I do think Des Bryant and DeMarco Murray and everybody, he has a lot of nice pieces. But that being said, he's the man. He has all the weight on his shoulders. It's a bad liability then to be able to say, yeah, for a lot of the analysts over the 48 hours after that game said, well, Jason Garrett has to know that he has a quarterback who's prone to throw interceptions in bad spots. Like, well, then, then that's a flawed premise to build your team around a guy who throws bad, bad interceptions in big moments, right? See, I, I find that to be somewhat lazy brain. But do you? Uh, uh, <laughs> why is that lazy uh, brain? I'll, I'll tell you why. It was articulate, at least, right? Uh, My words made sense. Uh, uh, no, I'm talking about what you said about the the analysts. Oh, that part. Okay. Once again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna me, Cecil. I'm gonna ask you a question here. If if Tony Romo has the most comeback wins since 2011, which he does, fourth quarter comebacks. And he also has, as Dave references, several games that you can remember where he threw a boneheaded pick, okay, at the end of the game. If he's got high numbers in both categories, what does that tell you about Cowboys football over the last three years? What does it tell me about Cowboys football? Mm -hmm. 
This is an interesting question because I thought that usually rhetorical questions have the easy answer. I have no idea well, what no, the answer I, is. I'm not sure. Was, I mean, it's, I have my, uh, many, many opinions about, about Cowboys football. It's probably not where you're going. Do you know Hockham's Razor? You guys all know that thing. It's real mm-hmm. simple. They play a lot of close football games. Obviously, if he's got the meltdowns and the comebacks, then that means he's being asked to lead that team to victory quite a bit. That's all I'm saying. Okay. I agree with you, Dave. I, I don't like. Romo's uh, some of his decision making in late spots but I also temper it with I also know what's going on I watch every play of the game I know that when Romo makes a mistake it's all over Twitter and it's the lead highlight when Romo plays well and he has comeback wins it's the buried highlight it's the fifth highlight and no one blows up Twitter and I'm gonna I'm gonna point at you here that's not true. Uh, I give him compliments when he does it. I did it the last time he went down the field yeah. and did it against whatever that was. What was that three, four weeks Actually, ago? Actually, you criticized him against the Vikings for... I did not. I did. said I said I give him credit where credit's due. He made a lot so of... So I have a challenge a, a for you. A lot of superb throws I, in a big moment. I have a challenge for you. Against the mighty Vikings. If Romo, <laughs> if the Cowboys beat the Redskins and they have to play the Eagles, right? They play the Eagles in Dallas. They play at Washington this week. Uh, they play the Eagles in Dallas. If Romo... Blows it in that game and does not play well. And by does not play well, I don't mean he has to throw five picks. I mean, like, that's under an 80 passer rating kind of game, just a middling game. I will mea culpa to you on the air. However, if he leads them to victory, and by leads them to victory, I don't mean a end of the game drive. If they went 34 to 17 and he plays great, to me, that's just as good as taking a team down at the end of the game. You're, you need to be. You're a Culpa. mistaking me with I don't know who. Maybe Adam Rank. I'm not even going to put that on Rank. But whoever you're putting that on, I'm not irrational. I'm going to read one of Dave's tweets back. Fine. To him. Well, in the moment, it was if I was criticizing him for a bad play, it was in the moment. Of course, I, I no, give him credit if said, he comes through. You said I can quote it. You said. And I have to admit, it was funny, but it was definitely. Sometimes a, I'm trying to make it. It was a low mirth. blow. But sometimes it's Elliot, mirth this making. This season, the, the criticism at the Cowboys this season is not pointed solely at Tony Romo. I, I, I hear you 100%. Because on of the, people like me. I mean, honestly, if I, I, I'm not trying to be self important because, look, there are a lot of people in this industry that are a lot bigger than I am. So please don't take it that way. However, at this network, in our media group, is it fair to say that I am by far and away the most outspoken person about this issue in this team if i was not out there defending him all the time on nfl.com on nfl network on dave's podcast we would have a preponderance of negativity to a guy who oh by the way has 29 touchdown passes and nine interceptions well you might be that voice from the wilderness at the same time though i would say that most of the criticism coming at dallas right now is fair because they're one of the most disorganized football teams playing football right now. All right, I wanna, you know what? Can we get off of Romo? I, I, yeah. I know I started yeah. it, but just for time's sake. Yeah. is the only reason I'm, I I'm stopping wanted, it. I only wanted to ask you one question. I could go on about this for three hours. I just wanted I just to ask you one to, question. Yes. And this is not a rhetorical question. I mean, I, I just want your answer. Yes. Would you agree that most people think Jason Garrett should be fired? Most people. Not 100%, but 60 to 70% think Garrett is. More than half at uh, okay. least, yeah. Would you agree that most people think the play calling is atrocious, particularly against Green Bay? Yeah. Okay. Would you agree that the Cowboys' defense is absolutely the worst in the league, or if they're not the worst, of the 31st? It's down there, yeah. Okay. Then something or someone is keeping that team at 7-7. Seven and seven. It's got to be somebody. I mean, if all those things are true, there's got to be something. I give him credit yeah. for being ba- – I don't – it's – again – it is the straw man argument to say that I think Tony Romo stinks. It is not. It is the same thing as saying, Dave, why do you all, you hate Peyton Manning and think he's terrible? No, indeed. I think they're great. 
It's a problem, though, that they are so great, and sadly ironic if you're a fan of those guys, that when they fail, it's in the biggest moments. I'm merely pointing that out. It's Shakespearean tragedy, really, on a football field, and, I, and I'm merely there to point it out. It is a fascinating story. Do I have a rooting interest to see it happen? No, except for the fact that people call me an idiot and you don't understand, so on and so forth. That Then I sort of muster something in my gut that says, no, I hope okay. it happens. I, th- but, I think that's fair, but the rooting interest is a key phrase there because i do think analysts have a, have a rooting interest why else does twitter explode when romo fails if there's not a rooting interest because he's good it's he's it's not a story if mark sanchez does it except that he's in new york city it's a Got big it. it's a big deal when great qbs who are having epic statistical seasons come up short in the biggest moment that's all i'm saying what do you think of stafford on monday night he was a he was atrocious. He was atrocious. But that Lions team has no has no mystique around it. Nor does Matt Stafford, even though he was the first overall pick. Mm-hmm. He is sort of in the shadow of Calvin Johnson. That's the reality. And the other thing is, I well, will real say, real quick, real quick, can I just chime in on? What I want to say one thing. Yeah. I want to say one okay. thing about defense. One thing about defense first. I think it's outmoded thinking to hold up a bad defense because it is not a liability at least significant enough to keep teams from going deep in the playoffs or even winning the Super Bowl. The Packers won the Super Bowl with the 31st worst defense with the 31st defense in the league. The Broncos no, 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 don't no, have no, no, not that, that team. That, that team, that team had the second ranked scoring defense in the league. You, All right. You're t- wrong Packers team. Uh, wait, the, the one that the one that beat the Steelers in the Super Bowl was but second was still, in the league in points oh, allowed. Oh, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Pittsburgh I'm, was one. Take it Green back. Bay take was it back. two. You're right. Yeah. I'm thinking of the year that they when they were 15 and one. Right. Yeah. You're right. Um, and they got hammered by right. the Giants. And the Patriots have had crummy defenses. Obviously, they've been successful in terms of regular season record. At least the Broncos don't have a very good defense this year. You can go on and on. I mean, Peyton Manning's defenses have let him down. But of course, when you build around a guy, when you pay a guy 20 million dollars, when he I is, agree with that, when he is 20 percent of your salary cap hit, then he must play better. People become awfully socialist. It's funny to me how they become so socialist in their heads about when I, I say, Peyton Manning blew it for his team. Like, he's just one member of, a, of the team. There, <laughs> there are 52 other guys out yeah. there. Oh, all of a sudden. All of a sudden, that's what it is. Then Peyton Manning should make the same amount as my... Everybody should just make the same in that case. If they're all the same, if they, if they affect the game equally, then why does Peyton Manning make a gargantuan amount of loot then? I agree with you on that point. Same thing sure. with Romo. That's all. Now you can go black. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, just to chime in on EA's question of why people seem to be almost have rooting interest for uh, Romo in the clutch, it's it all goes back to narratives. People love people. I mean, we do those. I agree with that. Thing. People, people don't love like to go against that. Right. People love storylines. People love it when our sports resemble. We love a McDonald's. There's yeah. a reason McDonald's is successful is because of the consistency of that. And you know what you're going to get. People do like that. It's hard to break that. Tom Brady is as clutch as clutch can get is, is the narrative. Go back and look at it. He hasn't won a Super Bowl in nine years. And he's been downright mediocre, if not crummy, in some big playoff mm-hmm. games. But it's it, it's been foretold over the last decade. He's as clutch as it gets, and yet he doesn't really do a ton to consistently deliver on that. It's almost impossible to break away from those narratives. Yeah, Tony yeah. Romo clutch, signed up for this, by the stuff. way. Look, I mean, you're the quarterback in Dallas yep. where your owner creates this so-called aura around your team that they can live up to year after year. And Romo's got a ton of pressure on him, but he he knows what he's involved in. Yep. 
Yes, and, the storyline's pre-cooked, but he knows what's And he did in. not play well against the Packers. There's no getting around it. The game was there to be had, and he didn't make it happen. And I think he deserves criticism for it. I just think the the if you have it on a weight scale, the criticism versus the credit is, is far skewed. But that's, right. that's enough on that. So good enough. Yeah, now let's go into, and we could talk about the Cowboys here. Let's do, before we do the Red Challenge flag pick segment for Week 16, where we'll highlight the biggest games of the week. Real quick, because the playoffs are nigh, I think that we should do a little dead or alive here, evaluate the playoff chances of some of those teams right there on the so-called bubble. I'm still waiting for the copyright on that. I think that's clever. If a team may or may not get into the postseason, I call it being on the bubble. Do you like that? That's good. I mean, I that's, feel like it's good because the bubble could burst, so you don't know. It's interesting. It's a real right? image. There's a visual there. I think my new. I've never I, heard of that. Before. I might be. I, you know what? I wonder if I could carve out a thing. Maybe I could be a seedologist, an NFL seedologist. Huh? Be cool. Anyhow, <laughs> let's get into it here. Black tie. Play the music for Dead or Alive. If your team is playing, damn, I should be saying that you're dead or alive, dead or alive. All right, let's start off with the team that beat the Cowboys um, on Sunday. The Packers, Mark Sessler, I start with you. Are their playoff chances dead or alive? I have to go with alive because, you know, two weeks ago, Detroit looked like they were finally ready to mature into a team that when Aaron Rodgers and Jay Cutler are not available inside the division, that's your that's your year, Detroit. Mm-hmm. But instead, yep, yep. they've got Matthew Stafford, and so suddenly they're looking up at both those teams – I think Chicago wins this division, but I can't count out Green Bay yet. Not all. They're alive. Absolutely alive. They play the Steelers. They have that game at Lambeau. Pittsburgh can't get to the quarterback, and that's the one way to really beat Green Bay. And then they play at the Bears. The Bears are the worst run defense by far in the league. Eddie Lacy could chew them up. There's no reason why Green Bay cannot win this division. All right, let's go to the doctor on call and see what his thoughts on the subject are. Stand alive. Stand alive. Yeah, alive. Still alive. And it's embarrassing that Matt Flynn being under center is not enough to say, yeah, the mighty Steelers defense is going to go in there and shut them down, especially the way Roethlisberger is playing. I will say this. I know I'm a homer on this subject but uh, as a Steelers fan. But Roethlisberger, you talk about a guy who's having a really nice season, and he has made some crummy turnovers, some Romo-esque plays, if I may. I know you don't like that, but he has made some terrible turnovers in big moments, especially against Minnesota over in uh, in London way back at the start of the year. Um, but he's really he's really playing well. This is going to be a fascinating game, I think. The Steelers little- going into Lambeau, these two teams. The Steelers seem like they found a little bit of pride now that we're not going to just – they're not doing what the Giants basically are doing. We're going to show up. We're going to give our best effort and see what goes down, even though we're out of it. A little trivia for you guys. What is what – is, uh, Pittsburgh at Green Bay famous for that matchup. Uh, we talked about it yesterday, so I won't spoil uh, it. Sessler, a little trivia. Uh, let's see, Mark Malone versus Don Mikowski. You you're, nailed you're, it. You're warm. <laughs> you're, you're really warm. Yeah, actually, you are. Really warm. Pittsburgh at Green Bay. Famous because of one player. Search me. I did not get – I did not warm enough where I didn't a, get either of the players correct. Dave? Number four. His first game under center. First start. Ah. He came in because Mikowski, who you mentioned, uh, got hurt against the Bengals. Favre took him down the field, but he started the next week at home against See, Pittsburgh. See, I remember Favre. I was actually watching him 
against Cincinnati. That is what I always pegged as his first appearance. And it is his first appearance, yeah. but not his first start. Sessler is so good at early 90s football, too, that uh, I just, I'm sorry, I just expect you to, it's, I expect too much. I mean, you give me Tim Manoa's career stats, and I, you know. <laughs> well, this right. is, I'm 0 for 2 on the, on the uh, oh, questions whatever. coming from I Elliot remember here, Tim Manoa at Penn State. I love, yeah. there's oh, no one was. I'd rather talk Browns football with than this guy right here. He's Tim Manoa, two yards a carry, never more, never less. He, um, you know, it was fun to go back and look at that early 90s stuff it's first of all the uniforms now that most teams wear the flat finish on their pants and everything everything looks so shiny it's way too shiny even the even the shoulders on the jerseys had that satiny shine to them so it looks bad but what's crazy is how big the pads were Every the, I know. The, the defensive players pads and the running back like Kevin Mack Kevin and Tim Mack's Manoa shoulder had, pads. The, had the hugest pads in the world. It's really he crazy. had like a good. barn on top of his shoulders. I you know I talked to Coach Fossil Jim Fossil when uh, uh, he was in the green room last week and I asked him real serious. I go, Coach, did you ever have to sit down with Charles Way and talk to him about his shoulder pad size? <laughs> and he just stared at me and then he busted out laughing because it's pretty funny. But um, all right, let's move on to. Well, we're talking Browns, so let's talk about the team that used to be called Browns and now should be called the Baltimore Purples. They call themselves Ravens. E.H., dead or alive? Absolutely alive. There's no reason that they cannot beat the uh, the Bengals in Week 17. I know that game is in Cincinnati, Mark, but I, I mean, Baltimore is good at doing this. They win when they have to. You have to give them credit for that. Look, I look at the Bengals right now as the third-best team in that division, and the Ravens they beat New England this weekend and then beat Cincy. That is potentially a bye team. No way could you call the Ravens dead. Totally alive. Doctor, how say you? Oh, my God. Stunning. I can't believe it. But listen, you know what? I can believe it. And here's why. Maybe the doctor is projecting, but I know that the Ravens are better than on life support, but they ain't going to pull through. Here's why. The Bengals are going to win out. Hear me now. Believe me later. That was the last bump in the road for the Bengals in this regular season. They shall win their final two and claim the North. They are the best team in the division. I know that Pittsburgh handed it to them, but that was a bump in the road that I can't practically explain. Um and and that was that. I, 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 uh, the Ravens are a nice story, what they're putting together, once again making their December push. I think they're going to come up a little bit short. Fascinating game, though, that we'll get to in just a minute here against uh, those Patriots in Foxborough on Sunday. We'll make our picks on that one. Meantime, though, so can we assume then that you're saying the Bengals are dead, obviously, Sessler. They're not going to make it. I, I feel that way at this point that Cincinnati – I, I look at the quarterback play, and I would take Flacco or Big Ben over, obviously, anything Andy Dalton can produce in that division. Sure. Cincy falls out of this after almost leading the way from start to finish. If they completely miss the playoffs, talk about Shakespearean tragedy. Yeah, uh, you H. could almost make the case that uh, Dalton was the fourth-best quarterback if you count Brian Hoyer earlier in the yeah, year. that's right. Uh, honestly, I'm just saying. Uh, but you, you asked me if the Bengals are dead or alive. I think the Bengals are alive. I I mean, if I had to pick one or the other right now, I would take the Bengals only because Baltimore has to do two tough things. They have to play the Patriots, and they have to beat the Bengals. They have Haven't to do they both. just done in tough Cincy, things week after week? I know, but in Cincy, where the Bengals are much better for some reason, they it really continues are. to mystify me why a team is that much better when they're playing in a relatively tough 
atmosphere at home, it shouldn't affect them to go into tough atmospheres elsewhere, and yet they are really a different team. They, well, will, they will handle true, the Ravens. But the problem is you're also asking us about two teams that could be a wild card as well. So it's hard to say one is dead and one's alive because Baltimore could get the sixth seed. It's not one of the other It's not one of the other necessarily. Well, necessarily me yeah. and my doctor friend, this is what we do. We, we roll the dice a little bit, you see. You know, we, we, we're not playing it safe. We're trying to make tough calls here. All right, how about this? We were talking about the, those Lions. How about Jim Schwartz's future in Detroit? After this season, Sessler, we'll start with you. Look, I don't like to say this about any guy's employment, but I'm going to go dead because I think there's just too much about the Lions that scare anyone that wants to look at them and say that's a dangerous playoff-type team. You look no further than what happened on Monday night. There's too many mistakes. There's too many discipline issues. They lead the league in in fumbles, I believe, lost fumbles coming into Drop Monday passes. night. Drop passes too. It's uh, it's the team that has enough talent that if someone came in and cleaned things up, mm-hmm. there's a lot to like there. Completely agree with that, Elliot. I say alive because they have the Giants at home, okay, which is a very winnable game. You already talked about they the better Giants win that one. Yeah. Yep. Then they play at Minnesota. I'm not saying at Minnesota is going to be an easy game, but it's winnable. It's winnable if Detroit wins out and they make the playoffs, I don't think they'll fire a head coach that's taken them to the playoffs twice, considering their run from 2000 to 2010 where they never made the playoffs. Here's the thing. Here's the problem, and I I hear what you're saying, that they should be able to win those two games. It's not going to be enough because I think the Packers are going to win their last two, and if I'm wrong about that, it is interesting because the door is open with the Bears playing the Eagles. But they can't get a wild card. They can't get a wild card. No, I know, but they can still steal the division if both of those teams in front of them take a loss. There's a certain amount of math, though. The Bears have to lose to the Eagles and then beat the Packers, or Packers need to lose to the Steelers and then beat the Bears for it to happen. I was essentially agreeing with you that if Green Bay wins out, Detroit can't get the wild card. They're not going to get the wild card because Carolina and San Francisco are going to get it, or Carolina and New Orleans. All right, let's go. Uh, wait, 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 let's just ask Doctor Detroit real quick here. Uh oh. Sorry, Jim Shorts. It's been a nice run for you. And I also think uh, Jim, uh, Mike Zimmer is going to love coaching those guys up. I think that's mm, the, interesting. That's the ticket. What did I tell everybody in August? Rex Ryan's going to be coaching the Raiders in 2014. I think that's on track to happen, actually. And I also think Mike Zimmer is going to be the head coach. Why yeah, are you that, shaking your head at that? Because I, I love Mike Zimmer. I loved him when he was assistant secondary coach in Dallas to Campo. I loved it when he was a secondary coach. I loved him when he was the D.C. But Mike Zimmer, the way he deals with players and stuff, I think it'll be harder for him to have a, a head coaching job. He's a little bit more of a – you know, the, the book on him. If you talk to insiders, they will tell you that very thing. Not but that I, the players hate him, just no. the way – you know, being a head His coach is a different, different skill set. The style is different. I got yeah. one for you. Take a look at that defensive line, the way they potentially could rush the passer but haven't done this season in terms Rod of – Rod Marinelli. No, just kidding. Ray Horton. Ah, oh, that's a good one. Interesting idea, yeah. I kind of like the idea of – I was joking. What your strength now. is. I think the strength if so if you have this potentially huge offense with Stafford, Calvin Johnson, we'll see Reggie Bush and if they can flesh out the rest of that uh, the the uh, skill positions there. I think you go defensive then. 
I think you you let those guys, you turn it over to a guy, you bring in an OC who can really get the, those guys in their best possible spots there, and then Mike Zimmer makes what is potentially a great defense into an actually great defense. That's a, that would be my call. Well, you say, and make, by the way, oh. Zimmer. I think there's enough heat. Again, like Black Tie said, he's exactly right. The narrative is is that Mike Zimmer isn't ready, isn't the right kind of guy for a head coach. But I think this season there's been a lot of heat around him. I think it's crazy to say, for better or worse, though, hard knocks makes cast him in a different light. People see him. He's interesting. Why isn't he a coach? It makes people like me ask that question. And I think that there's now enough momentum behind it that he's going to win. What about Zimmer replacing Marvin Lewis? Yeah, listen, that's not going to happen. They'll clean house. But if Marvin Lewis doesn't get into the playoffs, I think it's about time then. I think they're the, – and then that – talk about the narrative that we've discussed quite a bit. There's a chance for the Bengals to be the best team in the AFC and go to the Super Bowl right now. I absolutely – I would not – my jaw would not hit the floor if the Bengals are in uh, in New Jersey in February. On the other hand, I wouldn't be surprised if two months from now we're talking about like, so what are they going to do? Cutler? Are they going to take a run at him? Are they looking at one of these kids coming out this year? I mean, that's what I, and we got to turn the page from Andy Dalton. All right. I think that's enough uh, – are alive. I couldn't think of the name of it. Black Tie gives a thumbs up. So that means let's get to the Red Challenge Flag segment. Red Challenge Flag All right. And here's what we do, Sessler, because you haven't done it before. I'm surprised by that. No doubt, though, you've listened to it faithfully when your pals Westling and Hanzoos have come in here. Of course. Usually it's Handsome Hank is the uh, the adversary of Elliot Harrison. Here's how it works. It's pretty simple. I'm going to name for you a game that I find compelling on the slate this weekend. You tell me who you think is going to win. If Elliot doesn't like that answer, he can throw the challenge flag or vice versa. It's pretty straightforward and unnecessarily convoluted. It could just be tell me who you think is going to win. But now we have to have whistles and sound effects. Let's and all give that it kind a try. We'll try. We'll see how it goes. The kids seem to like it. We'll start off with, let me peruse. Let's do this one. For Elliot Harrison, the 7-7 seven and seven Dallas Cowboys traveling to our nation's capital to take on Kirk Cousins and company. E.H., how say you? I say the Dallas Cowboys win this game. Isn't that their M.O., win this game and then lose in the final week to go 8-8? Eight and eight? I can throw no flag. I have to agree with that. See, that's the part I was going to – I was trying to not influence you. I like – don't you understand? You're a, you're a storyteller, Sessler. I know you enjoy a nice novel. You enjoy a movie or two. <laughs> and Edwin Baker. High brow one. You like that kind of stuff. What's the what's the key tenant of good drama? Well, we need a little you need a little conflict between me and Elliot. Well, so they don't agree. Well, hold on. Let me you know, by the way, the fact that you yanked me of anyone else into this contest is disturbing on the fact that I am so far worse picking games this year than any of my colleagues <laughs> that you have to look at whatever I pick and probably go the opposite. But Washington a team in utter chaos. I can't look at a team and say there's more chaos, more mysterious weirdness happening than in the nation's capital. Dallas has to go eight and seven and then do what we know they'll do in Boy, the finale. I, I feel bad for Susser. He's come on here. He's been asked three questions live. <laughs> I asked him two, and then you asked him one. I mean, you got at least you got Dave's. He did give you a little deer in the headlights when you asked. Him. <laughs> now let me t- ask you something here, Sessler. I got some questions for you. Would you say the problem with the Dallas Cowboys is this? Go ahead there, fella. Now, right, come two on. statistical come derivations on, and like somewhere meet in the middle with an answer. I have no idea what's happening. Here's an interesting one that seems like a gimme. I'm going to throw it out here because I could absolutely see a young team not showing up for this game or, or being right in their brains for it with a lot of big games just played. The Miami Dolphins at the Buffalo Bills. 
Sessler, I start with you. This is tough, and I'll tell you why, because Thad Lewis is starting over E.J. Manuel, which I think is actually makes it tougher for Miami. I think that's exactly why the Redskins, by the way, have a decent chance against the Cowboys. They have a different energy because of Kirk Cousins. If it was the same old, same old with RG3 playing out the string, different. With Cousins, there's something different about the As way they're As well, going to London same Fletcher, possibly his last home game, I believe, because he's likely going to retire. And huh. he tweeted out saying, hey. I want to take my fans and beat the Dallas Cowboys. What better way to end it? Hashtag hail to the Redskins. Well, oh, that my. won't be happening for London oh, Fletcher. My. I'm sorry. I, I don't know how you can just assume that that won't happen. Two bad defenses. I mean, the, the, at the very least, the Redskins can move the ball on that team. I mean, how would the, this, it could be a shootout like it was in Thanksgiving. Was that a Thanksgiving game, Romo and, and uh, RG3? Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, anyway, Very so, different Redskins so what are you picking then? What's right, your, so you're no, giving I, your analysis. Now I, I tell us who that, wins. I watched the Dolphins-Patriots uh, game, and I was actually quite impressed with Tannehill, where I haven't been in other points in this season. This Dolphins team got themselves out of a hole. Uh, there's issues. He's getting beaten up, but they're going to win this football game. I, I, I Okay, well, let's get uh, Elliot. You're supposed to give a succinct answer and then I'm supposed to give the analysis when you go first in the red flag. Yeah, <laughs> we're off. We're so far off the rails. We'll okay. just go. I agree. I, I think the Dolphins are going to win. I just wanted to throw in back end. Uh, I love London Fletcher. True consummate pro. He's had a great career. There are a lot of guys like him in NFL history. They're never going to sniff the Hall of Fame because they don't have quite other credentials, but they had long, great, awesome careers. London Fletcher is a truly one-of-a-kind mm-hmm. player. The uh, the Dolphins are interesting, too, to go back to what you were saying. Tannehill, those last two games, fourth quarter comebacks and all that, that means something. I believe that that does, again, back to narrative, like Peyton Manning's been talking about this uh, last couple of weeks, and uh, everybody else loves that word. It's I, I, I think we have to now, it's transcended word, NFL word of the week. It's now word of the month now. And, and in can't... fact, we're pushing it pretty hard here. But I do think, I was just talking to somebody about uh, John Elway. And I was saying to them because they were too young. Actually, you'll remember this, Sessler. Actually, you're too young to remember this too, probably. But the back-to-back Browns, uh, the the, uh, uh, Broncos and Browns title games Uh, in the mid-'80s. Do you remember those? Slightly destroyed my childhood. Oh, okay. I didn't know if you were too young to really hit for those. How young do you think he is? Well, I don't know. So He drove a probe, I guarantee it. Elliot will remember this. Black Tie has ne- probably never even heard of John Elway because he's too young. But listen, the thing with Elway was the narrative on until he made the drive in Cleveland was, yeah, he's great, uh, you know, great physically and everything. Keep in mind, Marino had transcended him and everyone, uh, all the other quarterbacks from that draft. Elway was physically gifted and you know good enough to to make him a winner. But can he do it? Can he? You know, now we look back. Oh, the narrative on John Elway is no one's better in the two minute drill and the big comebacks and everything else. But at the time, people had their doubts about him until he did that. So it's interesting. And now I feel. Feel like Ryan Tannehill has not on on that big a stage, but two tough spots against the mighty Patriots in the week before in the snow against the Steelers. I think that helps this team, and as long as they can collectively overcome that feeling of big game after big game after big game, and then well now it's the Bills kind of uh, kind of vibe that we should have enough to beat them as long as they show up with the same sort of urgency. I think they'll get the win. So, all right, Colts and the Chiefs. We'll skip that one. Now, you know what? That's a playoff preview. Let's do that one because that's a possible 4-5 matchup in the AFC, the wild card round. What a juicy one that would be. That one would be played in Indianapolis, though, with the Chiefs as the wild card. EH, who wins it this week? 
I like Kansas City. They're at home at Arrowhead. The Colts haven't been playing guys, uh, playing well, guys, for no. over a month and a half. Yes, they had the nice win against the Texans, but overall, their body of work, they struggle to run the football, and I just think, and they also str- struggle stopping the run against the Chiefs. That's bad news. I like Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the Colts have been one of the worst teams around for a long time, and they're clinging on to the success they had early in the season. That offense is disjointed. It's it's not good when Donald Brown is uh, the guy that you looked for for a big play when you went out and swapped a number one pick for Trent Richardson, who I think at one point had like 12 rushes for 11 yards last I, week. I was looking at that at the exact moment that you're talking about, and if it weren't for him doing a making a couple of plays on some screens and a shovel pass, he really, I mean, he seems incapable of, of getting, you talk about Tim Manoa, that at least has an excuse. Nobody expected it out of him. Trent Richardson, every play is two yards. That's it. And that's what that offense is supposed to be, a, a power rush scheme that just out-toughs you, beats you up. Colts can't do that right now. I love Andrew Luck, but listen, this game's in Arrowhead. The Chiefs are scoring points over the last month. They really, their offense is suddenly barnstorming points on opponents. And guess who could come back? Justin Houston. That's huge. If they have Houston, I know injuries are, are, are going to happen to everybody. We always talk about it. But if they have those two guys, that is the difference in a title game or a divisional round game. In Mile High City, if they get, if they, if they get that game, I know they've lost two. I really believe that the Chiefs are the the team to go into Mile High and knock off the Broncos. If it's cold out and they start pounding Jamal Charles and he can get it going in the first half, I absolutely see that team. I can't get on board with that at all, but I do think that they'll beat the Colts. Alex Smith is better than people give him credit for. He's throw. It's well, not that's fair. I mean, the the second game, obviously, he was throwing some uh, on-the-money balls that were getting dropped for. I don't know what, what the solution is with those guys. Those same pass catchers are going to be out there in January. All right, I'll, I'll take the Chiefs at home. And I also will tell you this, though. I think the Bengals and Chiefs are probably going to be in the Super Bowl before the Patriots or Broncos are. And I know that's a bold statement. I've gotten a lot of heat for it on the last uh, over the last week for making that statement. Let me also throw in. Andrew Luck probably isn't going to the Super Bowl, but I absolutely think, as flawed as that team is, for one game or maybe even two, I could see him with their interesting pieces, their playmakers. Elliot, before the season started, we talked about, I said said, uh, a half an hour ago, that expecting that you need a dominant defense Mm -hmm. in order to be a winning team is outmoded thinking, just look at the teams that have been successful over the last, uh, you know, half dozen years or so. But I think that... um, I feel like they, the 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 what we talk. Well, I'm, I'm trying to get back to what we were talking about in the in the off season, just before the season. It's not about shutdown defense. It's about having playmakers on both sides, mm-hmm. guys who make the splash plays or whatever you want to call them. They have that in 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 Indianapolis. They don't have a dominant shut you down defense, but they have enough guys. Mathis could be disruptive in one or two plays and that could be enough in a big playoff game. Yeah, well, I mean, I think your textbook example that's the 2009 Saints. I mean, they had 40 takeaways. Yeah, Maybe right. they didn't rank where you wanted them to rank in yards allowed, but who cares if you're scoring points on defense? That's a big deal and 40 takeaways is is huge. So I think what you mean when you're saying having playmakers is a guy that can come off the edge not only sack the quarterback right. but gets the sack strip the the trifecta the sack strip and fumble recovery you got kind it. of players. All right, the uh, maybe the the most significant game of week 16, the New Orleans Saints at the Carolina Panthers. Mm. If the Saints lose, if the Panthers win, 
If the Panthers win and then just beat Atlanta the following week, the division is theirs. You could end up sending the Saints on the road for their path to the Super Bowl would include three road trips, which means that they probably ain't getting to the Super Bowl. However, if they have a home game in the second round, then they're only and maybe somebody could go in and knock off the Seahawks. It's not an implausible thing. Um, the Saints have a chance. So this is a massive game for both teams. So, Sessler, how say you? You know, our, uh, our cadre of around-the-league scribes have been on the Panthers bandwagon for months. Mm-hmm. And uh, I understand what happened when they went into New Orleans, but that's not going to happen this weekend. This is Panthers. E.H.? Yeah, you know, being that this is the red flag segment, I feel that I really need to pocket it. I'm going to go with Carolina as Man. well. And since we're going with the narrative of the Carolina Panthers, I'd like to nominate a new word. I wonder if the Panthers have the wherewithal to go into Seattle and win in the playoffs. Do they have the NFL wherewithal? I it, would like to it's know. It's too elegant to apply to football. Okay. You know? It's got to be yeah. it's got to be right like <laughs> a lot of you know what's the most popular black guy wherewithal? People, I love to hold up I love to hold up the guys who talk about the National Football League rather than the NFL and so on. But one word that is tried and true and and a classic uh, word that every football guy for some reason settled into about 3 generations ago is outstanding. That's the only superlative. It's not like he's a, he's a terrific. Uh, this offensive line's terrific. It's like this is an outstanding collection of men. You know, everything's outstanding. <laughs> also, here's another one I picked up on the other day that I realized people love throwing around. Arguably, people love including the adverb. By definition, everything is arguable. It doesn't mean you're right. Doesn't it doesn't mean there's any merit. But everything is arguable. I mean, you can you can argue. I may have gone down you that want. road a few times. Yes, it just might it's, be irrational. It's the PR way of not you know not definite you know saying someone is definitely the best because that's the only time it's used. Arguably, be the best tight end in the game. Yeah, arguably the best. Mark Sanchez just, is just arguably saying. the best quarterback in football history. That's just doesn't yeah. make it true. How about hashtag just saying? <laughs> Where does that one fit in? Here. <laughs> um, well, one day we have to devote an entire podcast to to, uh, to these cliches. Um, oh, that reminds me. That is a category this year. Uh, sports cliches is one of the Shecky Award items. The Shecky Awards of 2013 are coming. When are we doing those, Black Tie? Next week. Uh, it's going to be either Christmas gift for the oh, DDFP listeners nice. or shortly after Christmas. Oh, you guys will be interested. Elliot Mark Sessler, you're both nominated for a fan-voted uh, award, which is best regular on the DDFP. And the fans are voting on it. Go to NFL.com slash Shaq. And I don't consider gamesmanship or untowards or anything else. If you choose to use your Twitter or your social media or whatever connections you have to raise the vote. Right now, Handsome Hank is doing very well. That's all I'm going to say, but it's not so. spoil it. I'm not don't, spoiling anything. I'm telling people to vote. Go and vote. And Handsome Hank is uh, right now is winning. But you know what? He got a little jump start on the both of you. That's all. That, that's all right. You know, being that you're a lifelong Steelers fan, you're a lifelong Browns fan, this year was the 20th anniversary of the Eric Metcalf game. And I saw that, you know, the, uh, uh, oh, yeah. at Cleveland, come on. You, even you have to admit that was awesome. Now, that was early I don't like losing Chris a- Collinsworth, too. Oh, as a broadcaster, yeah. I don't like when I, I just when my teams lose on special team stuff that that gnaws at you. Yeah, so you I, you couldn't sit back from that and be like, okay, losing on two punt return touchdowns it's one of those is pretty amazing. It was cool, but I, I yeah, I get it. But it was it's one of those truths of life that you have that you know existentially you cannot grasp, no matter how many times appreciate life. You know, something like that will really shape the way, will change the way you look at the world. Appreciate every moment, and you hear those things and you. 
you want to do it, but I'm incapable of doing it. I know I should, but I, I'm just incapable of it. And it's the same thing as understanding, like, hey, special teams are as important as offense or defense. Yeah, I know, but I can't. I can't accept that. I just can't accept losing games on that. That bugs me too much. More disturbing. I get it, but I don't. I, I refuse to, to to fully embrace it. Our coach. Cleveland's coach, Bill Belichick, our front office guy in that game, Ozzie Newsom. Mm. Our upstairs is loaded with future NFL GMs and coaches. Cleveland, I think, went five and two after that win. I'll Ended look up, it up seven right now. and nine. <laughs> I remember that. Uh, cannot have nice things. Stat of the day. Stat of the day, by the way, delivered by Mark Sessler. The Cleveland Browns, Elliot, you'll love this. The Cleveland Browns, actually, you tell it about their passing uh, statistics. Yeah, well, it was in our NFL package, and they are they cracked the top ten in passing for the first time. I'm not saying for a season, right? For the first time since 1991, that is impossible. Top ten? That's not top three. That's not even that great. I know it's it's upper third. <laughs> they haven't been in the upper third of passing in almost a quarter century. It's an oblivion. I can't believe that with as successful as they've been. All right, next. Uh, well, I've got to get to this one because I'll tell you why in a second. Arizona Cardinals at the Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson has never lost a home game. EH. Oh, I'm, I'm taking the Seahawks. And look, you know, I predicted the 58 to nothing shutout last year. I actually na- nailed the score and everything for my picks column. And. I, no, I, no, I didn't. <laughs> but Seahawks, I think, are definitely going to win. I, 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 There's just no way I can see Arizona going up there in this environment and winning that game. And I do think Carson Palmer, unfortunately, is going to have a couple turnovers. Yeah, ho-hum. Sessler, how say you? I mean, you're giving us tough ones where you want conflict. I, I, it's, hard to, uh, it's hard to go against that. I, I'm going Seahawks. Maybe. I will say this. This is not the Cardinals team they faced last year. No, not at all. And, and, I, and oh, I'll, I'll say, I just want to say, that, yeah, I mean, Seahawks, gimme, they never lose at home. Except the Arizona Cardinals are going to win it. Hear me now. It's Damashek's upset, not of the week, not of the month of the season. The Arizona Cardinals like are keeping themselves alive. Circle it. Get back to me on Sunday night and praise me for my sage prediction here. Bruce Arians is going to pull this one out. Ain't no way that team's going in there and, and going home out of the playoff mix. They're going to stay alive, and they're going to play at home against the 49ers in Week 17 with a shot at the playoffs. How do you like that one, Black Tie? Is that bold or what? Arguably. <laughs> well that played. would I like seal Arians as like back-to-back Coach of the Year in my book. Who? I Bruce agree. Arians? Which I is agree. Very yeah, that, has that happened in our lifetime? Way to pay attention, Harrison. Who? <laughs> Bruce Arians. Uh, no, I got it. Arians, yeah. I think, uh, you know what? I think Jim Harbaugh, John Harbaugh has really emerged uh, that he's gotten this team back in the mix here as uh, obviously a good coach. Belichick's the guy always held up. You have to tip your hat to what Andy Reid's done. But I hear you, man. I think Bruce Arians is uh, has, uh, has done remarkable stuff, clearly. And again, it is, it is just... An infamous incident by the Pittsburgh Steelers organization to announce that this guy is retired. 
not not really not nearly enough made out of this outside of Pittsburgh. People talk about that quite a bit, but I don't think nationally people really kibitz too much about the fact that the Steelers decided that they were going to fire Bruce Arians. So then they announced he's retired, and then like uh, three minutes later, he's uh, no, I'm going to be the offensive coordinator in Indianapolis. <laughs> Why would them? What was with this retirement jazz? It's crazy, and it really should go down. I mean, it's a real black eye for the Steelers. And Todd Haley, you can debate whether or not the, that works or not. But the fact of the matter is, they ain't been a winner since Bruce Arians walked away. Sessler taught me something today good in the newsroom uh, regarding Bruce Arians, that he was the OC in Cleveland when the Steelers and Browns played that memorable 2002 wild card, the Dennis Northcutt game. That Arians, I did not remember that. That was like 25 playoff wins ago for a Steelers fan. But <laughs> I remember. Arkele, you'd have we to talked say, about that one, yeah. In the, in the wake they came out and attacked Pittsburgh in that game, most listeners probably were in like fourth grade when this happened. But that may be why Pittsburgh went and got Arians and paired him with Big Ben. It changed that organization. Yeah, thank goodness, because Tommy Maddox was a, fun, was a fun little story, but he was not going to be one that was sustaining through uh, through many seasons. All right, just a couple more here of, uh, of great significance. We talked about it. The Patriots at the Ravens. By the way, isn't it weird that they went Bears-Eagles on Sunday night? NBC's made some weird choices. I know that, the, that, that CBS and Fox defend that they don't just give up every single game, but you would think that they might have gone. Isn't it odd that, the, for instance, that the Panthers and Saints is an early but just, game? But is they a just, 10 a.m. game or a 1 p.m. game? Remember, though, they just had Saints and Panthers. I know they're not going to put that one on, but it's weird that they didn't at least bump that one up to an afternoon game. They're, you know, Cardinals at Seahawks would be compelling. That would be a fun one. A Bears, I mean, it's a good game, Bears-Eagles, but there are different ways they could have gone there. I'm not sure it shook out the way they thought it would. Didn't they flex out of the Patriots' Ravens? They did, which was, uh, you know, rather mysterious in my book. Wow, they really closed the book on the Ravens. That's I didn't, I hadn't done the math on that. Interesting. The Ravens have gotten. Uh, I wouldn't say they got uh, screwed on this one because I don't know that they love playing at night anyway. But that's the uh, interesting bookends to the regular season that they don't get their home game. As the Super Bowl champs, they have to go to the Broncos, and now they get flexed out of prime time in favor of the Bears. Yeah, it's been been uh, real tough times for the Ravens fans. Speaking of Sunday Night Football this week, (laughs) I believe if the Cowboys beat the Skins, that means the Eagles can rest their starters against Chicago because all that matters is the Week 17 matchup. That is exactly right. I was talking with somebody about that earlier. I didn't do the math on the time difference. Yeah. I mean, I don't philosophically believe in shutting down your guys for a week or, you know, when the, when teams rest. Yeah, they might not shut them down entirely. Maybe they play the first half and, you know. See a whole lot of Chris Polk. Wait a second. Now now you're really spooking me. Now i got to root for the Redskins to win because I have Shady McCoy and Deshaun Jackson in the fantasy championship. They're key assets for the cool cats. <laughs> if they shut those guys down at halftime, I'm doomed. Doomed, I tell you. That's going to kill me. Um, all right, so who's going to win Patriots, Ravens, Sessler? You start. You know, I'm going to go Ravens. I don't hmm. even need to defend it. This team is just strange right now. Look at three weeks in a row they shouldn't have won. This is their game. <laughs> EH? I, I like that. That was dramatic. I did. I, I like that, too. The, the – uh... I'm I'm gonna have to say the Ravens as well, oh, man. I'm sorry. Did you like, you not a, disagreed on even one of these? Tom Brady. Here's your little nugget of the week. 
Tom Brady, the only team in the league that he's thrown more interceptions and touchdown passes against, including the postseason, are those Baltimore Ravens. Eight touchdowns, ten interceptions. It's funny, and hopefully this will be the last time I use the word narrative, but but the narrative is that the Ravens and Steelers are carbon copies of one another. It's funny, then, that the Patriots own the Steelers. They they dominate them nine times out of ten, and yet the Ravens are the bugaboo for the Patriots. I mean, they, they don't own them as thoroughly, but if a team has the Patriots number in the AFC it certainly is Baltimore and uh, that doesn't really make much sense when you say like oh those are you know the way they those two organizations are Pittsburgh and Baltimore that one has such vastly different success um I think the Patriots are actually going to win because they want to win this one too I mean they, they they need it too and they will know the result of the Bengals game but they're still going to need it anyway yeah. they're going to need week 17 this is a big spot for them they're, they're a lot of questions now coming out of Boston about whether this Patriots team can get it done. I think Tom Brady and company, they'll rise up for this one. I don't think, again, that they will string together two or three playoff wins to get to the Super Bowl, or if they do, they ain't going to win against Seattle, which is who they're going to be playing, by the way, if I haven't made that clear. Um, well, speaking of Seattle... I think the Patriots, they're, they're, they will have enough to go in there. This this Ravens team is a nice story again. They're, they're, they're flawed, though. I have a, a trivia question for you, Dave. You are a fan of the history of the NFL, and we just talked about that Eric Metcalf game, the two touchdown returns to beat the Steelers, one of them at the two-minute warning, I believe. And that was Bernie Kosar's second-to-last game in a Browns uniform. He played the next week, then they released him, then they played Seattle. Who started, and I know you know the answer to this, Cecil. All right, Dave, who started at quarterback for Cleveland the first game that Bernie Kosar did not play? And I believe he was a lefty. Oh, I was about to say, uh, I was going to say, well, it wouldn't be Mike uh, Pagel. It would be uh, no. not not uh, Paul McDonald. That's too... No. Nope. He was, he was out of the league early 80s, right? Yeah. Too- well, I've just given two bad guesses, a little late on the trigger. But, oh, I do have an assignment to ask. Uh, I don't have the answer. What is it? Todd Philcox. Ah! <laughs> Todd Philcox. Well, they had Vinny Testaverde, but he was hurt. Mark, who started for Seattle in that game? Wow. The Bernie Bowl. The first. 1993. We're, this we're is not that hard. after one. Dave Craig at that point? Gail Gilbert? <laughs> Gail Gilbert. How about this? It was uh, the rookie from Notre Dame. Yes, Rick Meyer. Meyer. Boy, that was awfully loud, Black. <laughs> Rick Meyer was the guest in case your ears were blown out there. Um, all right, last game on the slate as uh, the Chicago Bears at the Philadelphia Eagles. That's your prime time game. Huge import for both teams. Well, at least for one team, as we just reviewed. The other one may be a meaningless game. Sessler, how say you? You know, I think this is trouble for Chicago because I don't like the switch back to Cutler. He focuses. He zeroes in on Brandon Marshall. The offense has changed. And on defense, this is this is a terrible defense. Eagles are going to score some points. Philly wins this game. I mean, it, it's it's funny because you could go across the board almost every game we've discussed. Elliot, that's really the point that I'm making, and it's not to diminish Tony Romo. And it's, but the thing that the story has become: well, the defense is so bad. What's he supposed to do? But as you hear, what is the recurring comment? Oh, that well, that, they have terrible defense. The Bears are in the playoff mix. The Eagles, the Ravens. I mean, not, not the, the the Patriots, the Broncos. The, you know, I mean, they're, the Seahawks have a good defense. There are some exceptions to the rule, but almost every the the Chargers are in the playoff mix well, as well. They, they of, all have terrible defense. There's also a lot of teams with bad defenses that aren't in the playoff mix. 
<laughs> That's true. But I, the point is, is that the rules are so skewed now that it's outmoded to, to say like, well, they, you know, they give up 28 points a game. Yeah. That's what just about every team does just about every single week. Um, Bears with Cutler. Yeah, it's tough because a black tie makes a point. And if the Cowboys win, then what are the Eagles even playing for? I'll take the Eagles, though. I'm just going to – I have to because i got to root for Shady McCoy and Deshaun Jackson to have uh, to have huge games if the cool cats are going to reign supreme in fantasy football this year. Black tie, you want to wrap? Ask one Twitter question. Yeah, let's do, one. Let's, do, do one. let's do one. Oh, tweet, by the guys. way, I think the Eagles are going to win too. Just to oh, close out, our, that? just to close out our red flag segment. It's not just, fun. I, I lose yeah. my I lose my spirit for it when you agree constantly. Sorry, I was wondering what would break first, your spirit or your body. Boy, it's getting worse, not better. That's the thing about my impressions. I, the more I do them, the worse they get. Maybe that's not my bag. Maybe I'm not going to be an impressionist. Go ahead, Black Tie. Read it. All first. right. This one tweet comes from at Kev Skinner. He, he asks, maybe this could be a blacklist subject. Well, it's not, but we'll get the answer anyway. What stadium has has the best end zone design? Hashtag DDFP. Ooh, this is something that has intrigued me as, a, as a, an astete for some time. Of course, I love the uniforms. Oh, I forgot to even mention it on this week's Sheck slash Shame report. I meant to hail. We saw it, EH, the best uniform matchup in all the NFL, the KC Chiefs in Oakland under that golden light of the bay. Oh, it was, it was just heaven to look at. I mean, is... and, it, and it's virtually unchanged from the 60s. It's remarkable. It's a, it's aesthetically pleasing if those were brand new uniforms. But it also helps that, that, uh, we've, that, that they have not altered them. In you know fifty years, that is a and that is a uni matchup that I like going either way. I like it in Oakland for I sure, agree. but yeah. I like it at Arrowhead too when the Raiders are wearing their whites. And if you're talking end zone design, I love the the diagonal white lines. I like that too. Just Pittsburgh give me the, goes that way yep. sometimes. Um, it's always nice as a thing. It was a fun thing. To, I don't even know if they still do it. You know, in baseball playoff games, they always put the bunting up. People don't know what bunting is. It's the yeah. red, white, and blue. That is a half circle thing trend that went away. No, no, they do it now. They, they do. do they the bring the bunting games. Back. Yeah, they bring it back. They had it uh, hanging around in the postseason in baseball. I love the bunting hanging around, just as baseball does that. I, I don't know if they still do this in the NFL. It used to be though that when there was a playoff game, they would paint the end zone and it would have a big AFC logo in it. Except in the NFC, because that would be weird if they put AFC logo in the end. But anyway, you get my point. <laughs> they put that logo in there. I always liked. Best end zone design. I'm gonna have to go back and review them, and and I, I don't want to give a an answer and then and then have to go back on it. Didn't somebody used to have all white? Didn't so, uh, that rings a bell for me? Somebody used to have an all white end zone with the letters of the team in it. I feel like the Seahawks maybe had a cool one at one point. The Cowboys had a really cool one in the 70s, but you just have to see it just with the uh, with the two helmets and the. It, it's kind of so hard to explain on the air, but it was blue. Which is the silver helmets and the blue star matched with the it was it was sweet. I like when the Steelers when they went in the Super Bowl. That's a cool thing too. Is when they do the one end zone in the one team and the other one the other. I like it better when they do the Steelers black with gold letters, not gold with black letters. I like For, that your team. Not has that been they have to so worry many about. Super Bowls that you've seen like a multiple variation <laughs> of end zone designs. And on that note, it's fun. It is it is neat. I think that one of the best football commercials of all time has still got to be the chefs. When the guy, old guy was painting the uh, end zone. Oh, yeah. And he goes, great googly moogly. When he uh, realizes that he forgot the eye. I thought you were going to mention Mean Joe Green, which is still the best sports commercial ever, right? There's not a Miller Lite commercial that maybe trumps it, is there? Is there a better sports commercial ever? 
the not worst today, one. No. One of the worst. Genuine. One of the worst is Brett Favre in his Wranglers. Oh, what about he, the yeah? Well, yeah. I mean, like, he goes out and he plays football with these with these scrubs and everything, and they have to lay out to catch his passes. Hey, Hall of Famer, how about you put it on the money, fella? Why do I have to dive? <laughs> They're all male models too. I'm a subway. I, I'm a subway uh, sandwich artist, I, and I have to dive to catch the Hall of Famers <laughs> passes. Come on, Favre, put them on the money, would you, fella? A tick above these chunky soup commercials, which are just you can't get them off the air fast enough. Fake mothers, people's mothers. I want a double bag. Okay, and then we're done. Black tie. I know there's a lot to wrap up, but we're doing it, and don't say no. One movie. We got to give Black Tie one movie. I was given an assignment. Thirteen days ago, I was waiting. I wasn't thinking about blocks. What is that? <laughs> Got to give Black Tie. Has Black Tie seen Wait, it? before we do this, I just want to set the rules for this, guys. Because I've been right. getting a lot of, uh, I mean, you know, I went to see uh, this past, yes, oh, on Tuesday. Yeah. I, I went to see American this. American Hustle when I saw Great the, movie, right? I loved it. The performances in that performances. are unbelievable. It feels extremely long, but great performances. It, it was around. long, but, I mean, uh, Jennifer Lawrence, once again. Yes. Oh, Amy Adams was pretty good, too. She, she was, was foxy around. in it, right? Yeah, so I've been, you know, posting these tweets of when I go see movies and such and such, and people always respond like, oh my gosh, Black Tie's watching a movie. It's like, guys, I know, it's guys, exciting. guys, I am a movie guy. I keep saying that. I just, anything <laughs> pre-93, I probably haven't seen and I don't care for. Like, I don't have any shame in my game, but either way, carry on. All right, well... You Elliot know, you seems to really be good at this, so let's see if uh, Elliot... Elliot has the most obscure references. Of course, he's good. Yes, at he y'all does. don't remember the thirteen days ago. I was th- I was thinking about Whedon. I wasn't thinking about blocks. Nobody remembers that. I wasn't I thinking about Whedon. That. I was thinking about blocks. Yeah, thir- what does that mean? A couple years ago, when Favre made his second comeback with the Vikings, he got uh, fined uh, by the NFL office for a for low cutting a guy in like a preseason game, and it was his first game back. And the reporters asked him about the low hit he took. On somebody's like, thirteen days ago, I was thinking about weed. I wasn't thinking about blocks. <laughs> you sound more like Hank Kingsley than you. Do. I mean, uh, not I think Hank I sound Kingsley, like Kevin Hank, uh, Hank from. Um, uh, now I can't think of anything. The the animated show. I'll just throw it up city. Go get it. What was the animated show from Texas? Hank, King of the Hill. King oh, of the King Hill. Of the Hill. Yeah. Um, uh, why did Hank Kingsley though? Don't you do that? Larry Sanders was Hank Kingsley. What was his name? King of the Hill. Hank. What was his last? Anyway, who cares? Exactly. Who cares? You're right. Who cares? Ask ask Black Tie a movie. Throw out a Uh, uh, a movie title for Black Tie. Can I just say no and we can move on? That save everyone's time here. (laughs) Well, the other day I was in the the green room and Dan Haley, the host of uh, Total Access, was making notes on a yellow piece of paper while these uh, like APs were talking to him. Associate producers kept talking to him and he just kept kind of discreetly writing something on the notepad and i thought it reminded me of the scene in the shining i was i went behind his notepad i wanted to see if he wrote all work and no play makes jack a dull boy like 50 times because that's what it looked like so i ask you td have you seen the shining i'm just gonna go ahead and say no i'm actually not a big fan of the horror genre it's not my thing. <laughs> it but I've nothing seen about, is your thing. I've seen about two or three horror movies in my time, and it's, it's just it just doesn't get to Isn't me. Isn't that like, more suspense, meh. thriller? Is that horror? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's it, probably more suspense. Isn't it more like Seven? No, Isn't it that counts like, as horror. It's I get I get what you're saying. It's suspense slash horror. Either way, Black Tie has many caveats that rule out virtually any movie. He doesn't <laughs> no, like just Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, any adventure movie. That's not, not correct. I Indiana just don't Jones. find Indiana Jones appealing. I find him to be hokey. I've got a Harrison Ford film for you. Go ahead. I love Air Force One. 
It's one of my favorite Early movies. Harrison Ford makes an amazing cameo early in the film. Apocalypse Now. We got that one. I got another one, too. The Conversation. Oh, yes. Uh, I've seen Air Force One. Yeah, the I Conversation. Sessler, you are so far off the rails. What, Gene Hackman's in it? Yeah, but never, you don't understand what you I love The Conversation. De- he has seen nothing. He hasn't seen The Godfather. I he hasn't seen Star Wars. You know, you, you mentioned all the caveats he has. It basically rules out every movie. He reminds me of a movie. Say anything with John Cusack's at the dinner table oh, with yeah. his girlfriend's parents, and they go, "Well, what do, what do you want?" And he, and he goes, "I don't want to, I don't want to buy anything that's been sold or manufactured. I don't want to manufacture anything that's been bought, sold." It goes to, the, and he rules out every possible job you could have, and they go, <laughs> "Well, what do you want to do?" And he goes, "Kickboxing. I, I think it's got a real great future." <laughs> Tell you what, I have seen. Other than American Hustle. So the Lord of the Rings trilogy, I yeah. binge-watched that in the last mm. couple of weeks. Also, so are the Hobbit movie, Smog. Does anyone know how to say Smog properly? It's very tough. Smog. 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 Yeah, it's Smog. Smog. There we go. Benedict Cumberbatch, who do, he does the voice of Smog. Great actor, great voice. So Check you did see The Hobbit? I did, yes. Did you like The Hobbit as much as the Lord of the Rings movies? Um, I didn't love the Lord of the Rings movies, neither. Oh, wow. Most people them. like the Lord of the Rings movies better than oh, they like the Hobbit. So Most people better. do. I just, I mean, it's just, it's, I mean, it's a rich story. It's deep, but it's not, it's not. Which is the best of the three. I, I, well, obviously I disagree. I think they're great. I think those movies, though, have been undermined after the fact by Game of Thrones, which is grittier and it's more just, sexual and all that kind of stuff. It's just I think they feel with Lord of the Rings is like, not like. Every movie is like a long journey that never ends because Peter Jackson just keeps stretching it out. By the way, he's he's the very first person you see in the Smog movie. He's the very first. Oh, really? Really? Yeah, he just puts him, it's almost like he, he hit record and just was standing in front of the camera. I would do that. I absolutely you would. Yes. Of course I would do that. Alfred Hitchcock did it. I'd be in good company. <laughs> Wait, to is he put him? My... Who, what? Well, he's a <laughs> yeah, random. he's himself. Yeah, he's just a random person. Action! Know? And then he walks off. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure he's a character. I haven't seen it, but that would be my hunch. The best of them is uh, is the well. I like Fellowship of the Rings, but Two Towers is pretty good. The, uh, the, the you, you didn't enjoy those pictures, huh? They were solid. I just didn't. It wasn't enjoyable. It wasn't like, oh, this is so good. Like, I liked was, Two Towers the best because two towers I thought good. I thought of the three movies. It seemed to have, and I could be wrong, the least CGI. And I'm not a big CGI fan. I like it when they actually shoot stuff in real places. Beautiful and, makes you want to go to New Zealand, yeah, doesn't it? The, and, right. And I I thought it was the most gritty of the three. I know. I think the last one is probably the most popular. I love the Helm's Deep scene where they're it's the best. At, oh, it's the best battle and, easily. And I, they they show the orcs coming until you they, see smog. But yeah, keep going. And then they show yeah. the castle, and they're waiting. And then, then the orcs are a little bit closer, and he really set that. And then it starts raining, you know. And then they're all all the archers are cocked, and they're sitting there. And one guy accidentally lets go, and it kills the one orc, and everyone just stands. There's like, oh, that sucks for him. You know. Um, I one, one, random, one random note though, from watching all the all these Lord of the Rings movies, these Middle Earth movies, I realized one of my top things to do in life is to ride horseback. Back and forth while giving a rousing speech to my army. Oh, definitely. Whenever, <laughs> like, it's the most awesome thing to do. Like, just get them at dawn. We attack. You know, just the, that speech when they're going back and forth. What movie? And they're not made, really going anywhere. What movie like, made that from famous? Side to side. What movie made that? Famous? I want to know. I think the first movie I saw, or like, really horseback riding that I loved was uh, the Three Amigos. I was no, a big fan. Probably, of that. I, I probably Henry the army. Fifth. It's got to be Henry the Fifth. I would say Braveheart's well, what made that. I, I, I think Braveheart, would say Braveheart lifted that from Henry V. Yeah, I would assume as much. Yeah, 
but yeah, Braveheart. Uh, Braveheart is one of those ones that's still enjoyable, even though it's one of those. I have not gone back and watched the Lethal Weapons yet. Now, mm-hmm. knowing what we know about Mel Gibson, are we able to enjoy those movies? That's a mind bender for another time. But uh, what isn't for another time is: Have you ever seen Lethal Weapon, Black Tie? I have not seen Lethal Weapon. Oh my I'm not God. a fan. I'm not a can fan you... of Danny Glover. I'm just saying. I'm just <laughs> not. <laughs> not. <laughs> well, I mean, you can't see it. <laughs> is Gibbs, that crazy, Cecil? It's a little strange. How can I don't, you why? not have seen Lethal Weapon? It's on it's, TV. It's becoming incessantly. less strange with each answer. All right, guys, we're getting a call here. The studio's got to shut down. We got to right, go. Fine. It's, hey, it's, it's, Sessler, thanks for jumping in. Programming note: How do how do people vote for? Oh, nobody's listening anymore. Uh, guest, because I'd like to vote for Sessler's my favorite uh, recurring right. guest. That's a great selfless <laughs> move, and you're going to be sorry though when uh, Sessler beats you out. Though I Maybe don't mind if he beats me out. NFL.com/slash/sheck S H E K is where you can vote, and of course the Shecky Awards are coming up. Maybe on our next podcast, right? Black Tie is that our, our next or no? We're going to do one more. We'll review week 16 for you, and then the second podcast next week, either on the 25th or the 26th, will be out there. All the Shecky Awards, the fruit of the year, the best movie I've seen this year, which, of course, isn't limited to movies released in 2013, merely a movie that I saw in in this past year, and so on and so forth. We'll get to all of it, and uh, in the meantime, enjoy week 16. And it's been a thin slice of heaven. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home, too? The place to do it is errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love, online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details. Your getaway with Apple Vacations begins the moment you step on board one of our exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Escape the ordinary with packages starting at just $599. No layovers, just pure relaxation from takeoff to touchdown. Immerse yourself in the joy of travel with Apple Vacations. Your journey is as enchanting as the destination, so pack your bags and leave the rest to us. Visit AppleVacations.com or call your local travel advisor to book your vacation.